section sixteen of four and twenty fairy tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org recording by kathleen fairer than a fairy by mademoiselle de la force translated by james blanche part one there was once upon a time in europe a king who having already several children by a princess whom he had married took it into his head to travel from one end of his kingdom to the other he passed his time in visiting one province after another very pleasantly but while he was staying in a beautiful castle at the extremity of his dominions the queen his wife was brought to bed there of a daughter who appeared so exceedingly lovely at the moment of her birth that the courtiers either on account of the child's beauty or to ingratiate themselves with the parents named her fairer than a fairy and it will be seen how well she merited so illustrious a title the queen had scarcely recovered when she was obliged to follow the king her husband who had departed in haste to defend a distant province which his enemies had invaded little fairer than a fairy was left behind with her governess and the ladies who attended on her they brought her up with the utmost care and as her father was involved in a long and cruel war she had plenty of time during his absence to increase in stature and beauty that beauty rendered her famous in all the surrounding countries nothing else was spoken of and at twelve years old she might more easily be taken for a divinity than for a mortal one of her brothers came to see her during a truce and conceived the most perfect affection for her meanwhile however the fame of her beauty and the name she bore so irritated the fairies against her that there was nothing they did not think of to revenge themselves on her for the presumption implied by such a title and to destroy a beauty of which they were so jealous the queen of the fairies was not one of those good fairies who are the protectors of virtue and who have no pleasure but in doing good many centuries have elapsed since she had attained royalty by her profound learning and art her great age had caused her to dwindle in stature and she was now only called by the nickname of nabat nabat accordingly summoned a council and made known to them her resolution to avenge not only the beauties of her own court but those of the entire world that she had determined to go and see for herself and carry off this paragon whose reputation was so injurious to their charms it was no sooner said than done she set out and clothed in a very plain garb transported herself to the castle which contained this marvellous creature she soon made herself at home in it and induced by her cunning the ladies of the princess to receive her amongst them but nabat was struck with astonishment when after having carefully examined the castle she discovered by means of her art that it had been constructed by a great magician and that he had endowed it with a virtue by the power of which no one could leave its walls or the surrounding pleasure-grounds but of their own free will and that it was not possible to use any sort of enchantment against those persons who inhabited it this secret was not unknown to the governess of fairer than a fairy who well aware of the invaluable treasure committed to her charge still felt no alarm on her account knowing that no one in the world could take from her this young princess so long as she should not go outside the castle or the gardens she had expressly forbidden her to do so and fairer who had already a large share of discretion had never failed in taking this precaution a thousand lovers had made fruitless efforts to carry her off but knowing herself secure within those limits 
she did not fear their violence the boat did not require much time to insinuate herself into her good graces she taught her to do beautiful kinds of work and rendered her lessons agreeable by recounting pleasant stories she neglected nothing which could divert her and naturally pleased her so much that at length one was never seen without the other amidst all her attentions however nabot was not less occupied with her schemes of revenge she sought for an opportunity of inducing fairer than a fairy by some cunning pretense only to put her foot over the threshold of one of the castle gates she was always prepared to pounce on and fly away with her one day that she had led her into the garden and the young maidens of her court having gathered some flowers had crowned with them the beautiful head of fairer than a fairy nabot opened a little door which led into the fields and passing out at it played an hundred antics which caused the princess and the young folks who surrounded her to laugh heartily all at once the wicked nabot pretended to be taken ill and the next minute she fell down as if swooning away some of the young maidens ran to assist her and fairer flew also to her side but hardly had the unhappy child passed the fatal gate than nabot sprang up seized her with a powerful arm and making a circle with her wand a thick black fog arose which dispersing again almost immediately the ground was seen to open and two moles emerged with wings formed of rose leaves drawing an ebony car and nabot placing herself in it with fairer than a fairy it ascended into the air and cleaving it with incredible velocity disappeared entirely from the sight of the young maidens who by their cries and tears soon announced to all the castle the loss they had sustained fairer than a fairy only recovered from her first astonishment to fall into another still more fearful the rapidity with which the car passed through the air had so bewildered her that she almost lost consciousness at length reviving a little she cast down her eyes what was her alarm to find nothing beneath her but the vast extent of the shoreless ocean she uttered a piercing cry turned round and seeing near her her dear nabot she embraced her tenderly and held her close in her arms as one naturally would to reassure oneself but the fairy repulsed her rudely off audacious child said she behold in me your mortal foe i am the queen of the fairies and you are about to pay to me the penalty of your insolence in assuming the proud name which you bear fairer trembling at these words more than if a thunderbolt had fallen at her feet felt greater alarm at them than at the dreadful road she was travelling at length however the car alighted in the midst of the magnificent courtyard of the most superb palace that ever was seen the sight of so beautiful a palace somewhat reassured the timid princess especially when she descended from the car and she saw an hundred young beauties who came with much deference to pay their respects to the fairy so charming a residence did not appear to announce misfortune to her she had also one consolation which does not fail to flatter one in similar situations she remarked that all those beautiful persons were struck with admiration on beholding her and she heard a confused murmur of praise and envy which gratified her marvellously but how speedily was this little feeling of vanity extinguished nabot imperiously commanded them to strip fairer of her beautiful clothes thinking thereby to take from her a portion of her charms they pulled them off accordingly but only to increase the fury of nabot 
for what beauties were then disclosed to view and to what shame did they put all the fairies in the world they reclothed her in old shabby garments but in this state one would have said her natural and simple loveliness was determined to show how independent it was of the assistance of the most costly ornaments never did she appear more charming nabat then ordered them to conduct her to the place which she had prepared for her and to set her her task two fairies took her and made her pass through the most beautiful and sumptuous apartments that could possibly be seen fairer noticed them in spite of her misery and said to herself whatever torments they may prepare for me my heart tells me i shall not always be miserable in this beautiful palace they made her descend a large staircase of black marble which had more than a thousand steps she thought she was going into the bowels of the earth or rather that they were conducting her into the infernal regions at length they entered a small cabinet wainscoted with ebony where they told her she would have to sleep on a little straw and that there was an ounce of bread with a cup of water for her supper from thence they made her pass into a great gallery the walls of which were entirely composed of black marble and which had no light but that afforded by five lamps of jet which threw a sombre glare over the place more alarming than cheering these gloomy walls were hung with cobwebs from top to bottom and such was their peculiarity that the more they were swept away the more they multiplied the two fairies told the princess that this gallery must be swept clean by break of day or that she would be made to suffer the most frightful torments and after placing a ladder and giving her a broom of rushes they bade her set to work and left her fairer than a fairy sighed and not knowing the peculiarity of those cobwebs courageously resolved notwithstanding the great length of the gallery to execute the task imposed on her she took her broom and mounted the ladder nimbly but oh heavens what was her surprise when as she endeavoured to sweep the marble and clear off the cobwebs she found they increased in proportion to her exertions she fatigued herself by persevering for some time but perceiving sorrowfully at length that it was all in vain she threw down her broom descended the ladder and seating herself on the last step of it began to weep bitterly and to foresee the extent of her misfortune her sobs came at length so fast that she could no longer support herself when raising her head a little her eyes were dazzled by a brilliant light the gallery was in an instant illuminated from end to end and she saw kneeling before her a youth so beautiful and charming that at the first glance she took him for cupid but she remembered that love is always painted naked and this handsome youth was dressed in a suit of clothes covered with jewels she was not sure also that all the light she perceived did not proceed from his eyes so beautiful and brilliant did they appear to her this young man continued to gaze upon her she felt inclined to kneel too who art thou she exclaimed in amazement art thou a god art thou love i am not a god he replied but i have more love in me than is to be found in heaven or earth beside i am Ferris, son of the queen of the fairies who loves you and will aid you then taking up the broom which she had thrown down he touched all the cobwebs which immediately turned to cloth of gold of marvellous workmanship the lamps becoming bright and shining Ferris then giving a golden key to the princess said in the principal panel of your cell you will find a lock open it gently adieu 
i must retire for fear of being suspected go to rest you will find all that is necessary for your repose then placing one knee on the ground he respectfully kissed her hand and disappeared fairer more surprised at this adventure than at anything else which had happened to her during the day re-entered her little apartment and looked about for the lock of which he had spoken when on approaching the wainscot she heard the most gentle voice in the world apparently deploring some misfortune and she imagined it must proceed from some wretched being persecuted as she was she listened attentively alas what shall i do said the voice they bid me change this bushel of acorns into oriental pearls fairer than a fairy less astonished than she would have been two hours before struck two or three times on the panel and said pretty loudly if they impose hard tasks in this place miracles are at the same time performed here therefore hope but tell me i pray who you are and i will tell you who i am it is more agreeable to me to satisfy your curiosity than to continue my employment replied the other person i am the daughter of a king they say i was born charming but the fairies did not assist at my birth and you know they are cruel to those whom they have not taken under their protection directly they come into the world ah i know it too well replied fairer i am handsome like yourself the daughter of a king and unfortunate because i am agreeable without the assistance of their gifts we are then companions in misfortune returned the other but are you in love not far from it said fairer in a low voice but continue your story said she aloud and do not question me more i was considered continued the other the most charming creature that had ever existed and everybody loved me and wished to possess me they called me Desirs. my will was law and i was treasured in all hearts a young prince the most enthusiastic of my adorers abandoned everything for me my encouragement of his hopes transported him with delight we were about to be united for ever when the fairies jealous at beholding me the object of universal admiration and detesting the sight of attractions which they had not bestowed carried me off one day in the midst of my triumphs and consigned me to this horrid place they have threatened that they will strangle me to-morrow morning if i have not performed a preposterous task which they have imposed upon me now tell me quickly who are you i have told you all replied fairer but my name they call me fairer than a fairy you must then be very beautiful replied the princess the sirs i should like excessively to see you i am quite as anxious to see you replied fairer is there a door hereabouts for i have a little key which perhaps may be of use to you looking narrowly round she discovered one which she was able to open and pushing it the two princesses met face to face and were equally surprised at the marvellous beauty of each other after embracing affectionately and saying many civil things to one another fairer began to laugh at seeing the princess the sirs continually rubbing her acorns with a little white stone as she had been ordered to do she told her of the task which they had imposed upon her and how miraculously she had been assisted by a charming unknown being but who can it be said the princess de sirs i think it is a man replied fairer a man cried de sirs you blush you love him no not yet replied fairer but he has told me he loves me and if he loves me as he says he shall assist you 
hardly had she uttered these words when the bushel measure began to shake and agitating the acorns as the oak on which they had grown might have done they were instantly changed into the most beautiful pear-shaped pearls of the first water it was one of these which cleopatra dissolved in wine at the costly banquet she made for mark antony the two princesses were delighted at the exchange and fairer than a fairy who began to be accustomed to wonders leading desseurs by the hand returned into her own chamber and finding the panel containing the lock of which the stranger had spoken she opened it with her golden key and entered an apartment the magnificence of which both surprised and affected her as she saw in everything it contained the attention of her lover it was strewn with the most beautiful flowers and exhaled a divine perfume at one end of this charming room there was a table covered with all that could gratify the most refined taste and two fountains of liqueurs which flowed into basins of porphyry the young princesses seated themselves in two ivory chairs enriched with emeralds they ate with a good appetite and when they had supped the table disappeared and in its place arose a delicious bath into which they stepped together at a few paces from them they observed a superb toilet-table and large baskets of gold wire full of linen of such exquisite purity that it made them long to make use of it a bed of singular form and extraordinary richness occupied the further end of this marvellous chamber which was lined with orange trees and golden boxes studded with rubies while rows of cornelian columns sustained the sumptuous roof divided only by immense crystal mirrors which reached from the ground to the ceiling several consoles of rare materials supported vases of precious stones filled with all sorts of flowers the princess de Sures, admired the good fortune of her companion and turning to her observed your lover is indeed gallant he can do much and he will do everything for you your happiness is extraordinary a clock striking midnight repeated at each stroke the name of ferris fairer than a fairy colored and threw herself on the couch she trusted to repose but her sleep was troubled by the image of ferris the next morning there was great astonishment in the court of the fairies at seeing the gallery so richly decorated and the bushel measure full of beautiful pearls they had hoped to punish the young princesses their cruelty was disappointed they found each alone in her little chamber after consulting together again in order to devise some tasks which could not possibly be accomplished they told the sirs to go to the seashore and write on the sand with express orders to take care that what she wrote there could never be effaced and they commanded fairer to go to the foot of mount adventurous to fly to the top and bring them a vase full of the water of immortality for this purpose they gave her a quantity of feathers and wax in hopes that by making wings for herself she might perish like another icarus Desseurs and fairer looked at each other on hearing these dreadful commands and embracing tenderly they separated as if taking an eternal farewell the fairies conducted one to the seashore and the other to the foot of mount adventurous when fairer was left by herself she took the feathers and wax and made some vain attempts to form wings with them after having worked for some time most ineffectually her thoughts reverted to ferris if you loved me said she you would come to my assistance hardly had she finished the last word when she saw him stand before her looking a thousand times more beautiful than on the preceding night the full light of day was an advantage to him do you doubt my affection said he is anything difficult to him who loves you 
he then requested her to take off some portion of her dress and having kissed her hand as a recompense he transformed himself suddenly to an eagle she was rather sorry to see so charming a person thus metamorphosed but placing himself at her feet he extended his wings and made her easily comprehend his design reclining upon him she encircled his proud neck with her beautiful arms and he rose with her gently into the air it would be difficult to say which was the most gratified she at escaping death in the execution of the order given her or he at being permitted to bear such a precious burden he carried her gently to the summit of the mountain where she heard an harmonious concert warbled by a thousand birds that came to render homage to the divine bird which bore her the top of this mountain was a flowery plain surrounded by fine cedars in the midst of which was a little stream whose silvery waves rolled over golden sand strewn with brilliant diamonds fairer than a fairy knelt down and first of all took some of this precious water in her hand and drank it after this she filled her vase and turning towards her eagle said ah how i wish that the sirs had some of this water scarcely had she spoken these words than the eagle flew down took one of the slippers of fairer and returning with it filled it with water and carried it to the seashore where the princess de Sirs was occupied in fruitless attempts to write indelibly on the sand the eagle returned to fairer and resumed his beautiful burden alas said she what is de Sirs doing take me to her he obeyed they found her still writing and as fast as she wrote a wave came and effaced what she had written what cruelty said the princess to fairer to command what it is impossible to accomplish i imagine from the strange mode of your conveyance that you have succeeded fairer alighted and moved by the misfortune of her companion she turned towards her lover and thus addressed him give me proof of your omnipotence or rather of my love interrupted the prince resuming his proper form de Sirs, observing the beauty and grace of his person cast on him a look of surprise and delight fair coloured and by a movement over which she had no control placed herself before him so as to hide him from her companion do as you are told continued she with a charming air of uneasiness ferris knew his happiness and wishing to terminate as speedily as possible her trouble read said he and disappeared swifter than a flash of lightning end of section sixteen